Hello, world, and welcome back to the Morning Geekdom Podcast. As always, I am your host, Anthony Matulin, and today I am joined by the Keebler himself, Tyler, and we will be discussing one of the best films of all time, The Shawshank Redemption. Ladies and gentlemen, you've heard all the evidence. I submit that this was not a hot-blooded crime of passion. Consider this. A revolver holds six bullets, not eight. That means that he fired the gun empty and then stopped to reload. By the power vested in me by the state of Maine, I hereby order you to serve two life sentences back to back, one for each of your victims. So be it. They send you here for life. That's exactly what they take. I believe in two things. Discipline. Help me, Dad! In the Bible. Here you'll receive both. Andy came to Shawshank Prison in 1947. Why'd you do it? I didn't, since you asked. <laughs> you can fit right in. I must admit, I didn't think much of Andy the first time I laid eyes on him. He had a quiet way about him. A walk and a talk that just wasn't normal around here. There are places in the world that aren't made out of stone. There's something inside that they can't touch. What are you talking about? Hope. Let me tell you something, my friend. Hope is a dangerous thing. Damn it, dude, friend, you're putting me behind. Hope can drive a man insane. You better be sick or dead in there, I kid you not. You better get used to that idea. Oh, my holy God. I guess it comes down to a simple choice, really. Too busy living. Get busy dying. Get busy living. Or get busy dying. That's damn right. Tyler, how, uh, where does this fall in the in the pantheon of favorite movies of yours? Number one, and there's there's not a close second, and not so I have a I have this thing where I think there's a difference between your favorite movie and your and what you think is the best movie. Agreed. Um, right? Yeah. Obviously, um, one of my favorite movies is like Happy Gilmore, which is a terrible movie, but something that's enjoyable to watch. But this for me is my favorite movie. It's also for me the best movie ever, and I don't think there's a there might be a close second in terms of best movie, but yeah, but this is this is number one. Okay, yeah, no, I, I kind of, no, I agree. I agree with the same thing, that same sentiment. Um, I am my my favorite movie of all time is Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it the best movie ever? No, uh, obviously, you know, like the Potter movies are near and dear to my heart, but they're not. I can I can understand that they're not the best movies of all time. Right. Um, Shawshank Redemption is is up there for me mm-hmm. uh, as like a, a perfect film. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know that I would say it's it's number one, but it's certainly probably top three, I think, best movies ever made. And it's in my top, I don't know, probably 15 just most favorite movies as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, um, you know, and, and but like we're going to talk about in a little bit, 94 was a was a, was a pretty serious, serious mm-hmm. uh, time frame for movies. Um, 
know, but again, we're going to, we're going to kind of talk about all of those in a bit. So before we, we get into the categories or anything like that, I just want to, I always like to read the synopsis. Mm -hmm. I don't really know how I feel about this one. I don't think it does the movie justice, but it is two imprisoned men bond over a number of years, finding solace and eventual redemption through acts of common decency. Yeah, that's, uh, it doesn't (laughs) quite sum it up. And of course it wouldn't sum it up well, you know, perfectly well, but the common decency, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. That part. I mean, are they, is there any common decency in this movie? (laughs) Not, not really. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they, the decency is what we might talk about later where he, he helps out the prison guards with their taxes, but that's kind of forced decency. You know? Yeah. So, but that, yeah. It's not a, it's, it's a decent act, I guess, but it's a, it's an act. It's a selfish act because he's going to get you right. know protection and he's going to be able to get uh, different jobs and things like that. So it's, it's a decent act, but it's more out of obviously a selfish act and, and out of personal gain and a, a little bit out of fear, I would imagine. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Fear. And, you know, I'll do this for you. You do this for me. You know, there's something in exchange, you know, it's, it's a compromise of some sort. So, yeah, Uh, this movie like epitomizes everything that I'm afraid of. Like I am deathly afraid of ever going to jail or prison. (laughs) Like I have a, I have a healthy fear of being a law abiding citizen because I don't ever want to go to jail or prison. Do you think you would go off the rails and become a criminal who serves consecutive life sentences without this fear? Like, is this, is this fear the only thing keeping you from, from actually going to jail? So you're saying a lack of like a moral compass. Am I just so afraid of going to jail? That's what does it. That's Uh, what it sounds like. I mean, because sure, nobody wants to go to jail, but I'm not afraid because I'm not going to, I know I won't do anything to send myself to jail, but it sounds like you, you don't have that kind of moral compass. Hmm. I mean, you've known me a long time. I, I think I have. Well, let's just leave it at that. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> I will not be doing anything illegal because I do not want to go to jail and meet anybody like the sisters. So no that's kidding. nobody wants. You're going to swallow anything I put in your mouth. Like, I don't want that that uh-huh. uttered to me at any point in my life ever. That's that's a good philosophy. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a general rule of thumb, right? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like this movie is what sets you on this course of no criminality. You know, without it, who knows what would have happened. Yeah, we wouldn't be having this podcast conversation, that's for sure. Maybe. I don't know. All yeah. right. So like we mentioned, the movie came out in 1994. A pretty good year for cinema. The movie's directed by a gentleman named Frank Darabont. Are you familiar with Frank Darabont at all? 99% because of this movie. Um, but uh, I know he also did The Green Mile, and I don't know anything else he did. Okay, so he tell adapted me, me two. Yeah, he adapted two other Stephen King screenplays. So he adapted this, uh, which was a, a short story by Stephen King. Uh, he so he adapted it and wrote it in eight weeks. He also adapted and wrote The Green Mile and The Mist, which are also Stephen King um, hmm. short stories or novels. But above all of that, and I I knew this about him, and I don't think a lot of people do. He was one of the main writers and creators of bringing Walking Dead to TV. Really. Yeah, so he he made the first season. Um, obviously, The Walking Dead is based on, you know, a graphic novel. Um, but he, you know, he was a showrunner and a writer and helped, you know, bring it to to TV. And then something happened in season two where I think he had just some disagreements, so he left the show. But I just think it's funny that the guy who wrote and then directed Shawshank Redemption also 
helped bring The Walking Dead to TV, which couldn't be two, you know, more different properties. True. But I mean, it, I, I didn't know until last night, actually. So I knew he was the director of this movie and also um, Green Mile, but I didn't realize he adapted the screenplay. Obviously, I knew it was a Stephen King short short story, novella, whatever. <clears throat> but I've got a lot more respect for him because of, you know, somebody who, who could adapt a story like that and make it into a very powerful and poignant story for the screen. But now that you say Walking Dead, I had no idea. That's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not a I'm not a Walking Dead fan anymore. I think it's long since gone off the rails. But the first mm-hmm. handful of seasons for that show are really strong. Yeah, um, I I never really watched it. My wife did and loved it. But if something's that, you know, that's something so popular, yeah, uh, in in mainstream culture, there's got to be quite a lot to it that makes it good. So I, I respect that it's a really good series without having seen it really. Yeah, it's it's a cultural phenomenon at this point. Again, I think they're in their like ninth season. They're they're just kind of running running out of storylines and off the rails. And I've long since stopped watching it. But yeah, it's, it's the first season. The second season are really strong, really well written, um, directed really well. So if you if you ever get a chance, it's it's a short investment too. I think the first season might only be like five episodes. Okay, but yeah, um, kudos Frank Darabont. Yeah, exactly. Have you read the the short story or the novel? No, I've always meant to. Um, yeah. I, I read Green Mile. I've read a few other Stephen King books, but uh, part of me, because I, I don't think I would not like the book, the novella, but I love the movie so much. I kind of just want it to be what I know of the story is just the movie, even though right. I like Stephen King and I know it's good. It's got to be good. But have you okay. read it? I have not. And I, I love Stephen King and I haven't read it. Um, I've read more of his, obviously I've read like it, the stand, yeah. uh, the shining. So things that are obviously more novel formed. I haven't written or read any of his like short stories. So I haven't read like stand by me. Mm. Um, I haven't read this. So no, I, I actually haven't. Um, I think it's interesting though. So Stephen King is notoriously doesn't like any of his adaptations. Yeah. He, he, you know, there's a, there's a great, you know, urban legend or story about how much he dislikes The Shining, uh, which is everybody loves The Shining and he I, hates the adaptation I've of heard that. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but he says that his two favorite adaptations are Shawshank Redemption and Stand By Me, which I oh, think wow. are, yeah, Stand By Me is fantastic. And I think is a movie mm-hmm. that doesn't get enough recognition, but it's it's so good. It is. We should have a podcast about Stand By Me. <laughs> there you go. Um, I also did not realize that the original short story is called Rita Hayworth and The Shawshank Redemption. Which yeah. I think is such a good title. It it's is so funny to me. Yeah, um, but is Rita Hayworth more important than Raquel Welch? I think so, and I'm glad you bring this up because I I was hoping to talk about. There's almost no women in this movie. Um, you know, the only women you see that are like cast for this movie are extras, you know, a landlady or someone at the grocery store where Brooks works. Um, and so I think Rita Hayworth is like a central, more important than Raquel Welch and is such a central part of the entire movie, even though she's on screen for like 30 seconds right. as a poster or as a movie within a movie. So I think Rita Hayworth is, even though the seminal moment, seminal moment of this, of this movie involves Raquel Welch, um, I think it's Rita Hayworth. And I think that's, it makes sense that the novella is titled, you know, has her name in the title just because she starts it all. You know, this, the idea of um, him, him and uh, Andy escaping starts with Rita Hayworth and, and her poster. So I, okay. I give the nod to, to Rita over Raquel. Okay. So I, 
I agree with you in the in diversity, but this movie doesn't really lend itself to having a diverse cast. I mean, there would necessarily there wouldn't really be a reason for for women to be in this movie per se because it is set in the what late late forties and then it goes through what the the early sixties or late sixties I think, and it's in yeah. a men's prison at that point. Obviously, they don't have women correctional officers, um, mm-hmm. and I would say the most significant woman in the movie is Andy's wife, who you just see at the very beginning for a split second, but the movie is everything all of the events of the movie are because she's leaving him and gets murdered so yeah. i mean i would think she's the most important character i have no idea who that actress is i don't know her name i've never heard of her name or heard of her yeah. but yeah no i would agree though that that rita hayworth is probably probably more important than fuzzy bridges <laughs> that's a, that's a good point there andy's wife you know nothing happens without her and that, that kickstarts right. the whole story of course but um yeah i i, I think she's we only see her in that opening sequence, right? Of the yeah, trial. Yeah. Courtroom. Yeah. 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 And she, I, I always, I always found it almost refreshing, but even more so when I watched it again, I watched it this morning. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen this movie. I can't even, I don't even know how many times. And right. this is like the, the perfect example of a movie that I will watch from start to finish. It doesn't matter. Like if it's mm-hmm. on halfway, I'll usually finish it. If I'll put it on and I'll watch the whole thing. It's not something I, I watch while doing other things. Right. Like it's not in the background. I'll actually sit and watch this movie. It demands your respect. Don't yeah, just, I, don't try to make salsa while this is, you know, this is in the background. You gotta, yeah. you sit and you pay it. It's, it's due respect. And I enjoy it every single time. Mm-hmm. It's so but, good. Yeah, no, it's, it's fantastic. Um, but what I was mentioning is, it's refreshing that Andy there's, there's that one point and you know, we'll probably get into it later, but there's the one point where he's talking to red and it's, it's after the realization that he, he, Tommy's dead. He's not going to get out of prison. He's going to be in there forever. And he says, you know, I didn't kill her, but I did because Mm. I was, you know, essentially an awful husband. And you don't get that a lot of times. I don't think in, in movies, you know, the, the, the main character, the hero, I guess you Mm -hmm. can refer to him as, even though he's not, Um, Mm. they're not really self-reflective. They're not, they're not, there's no self-awareness a lot of times. And I think they do a very good job of writing him that way, where through the whole movie, he's really melancholy. Like he's really out of it, it seems like. And then at that point he realizes like, it actually was all of my fault. Yeah. Great point. That, that line is, is powerful. And I think you see that from Andy from the very start where he's on the stand in the courtroom and, and uh, the prosecutor is asking him these questions and he's not deflecting. He's not really defensive. Um, yeah. And, and, and when he's saying, well, your neighbors heard you say, I'll see you in hell. And normally you would think, and in movies, certainly in movies, you would see the, the, you know, the lead character or the person on the stand being defensive and say no. And Andy just says, well, if you say so, I don't really recall. I was, I was angry. Yeah. Um, so that you see that self-reflection and that acceptance of what he did wrong from an early point in the movie, which is, which is kind of great to see. Like you said, you don't see it much. Right. No, it's, it's fantastic. Um, and actually the gentleman who is the prosecutor is also one of the main characters in Walking Dead for the first like two or three seasons. Is he really? I know he's in the Green Mile as one of the guards. I, I didn't know he was in the Walking Dead. Yeah, he plays Dale, who is a, who's the older gentleman who's like kind of the father figure of the group who has an RV and he like kind of teaches people how to work on the RV. And he, he brings the most uh, morality to the group where right. everybody's kind of in chaos and, and, you know, they're trying to figure out the new world and how, what the, what the order should be and what laws there should be. And if it's just going to be anarchy and he's the one person who's trying to constantly bring it back to 
you know, this is, this is, we need morals. We need rules. Like we should help each other. And then he gets eaten. I was just going to say, inevitably, I'm sure he is, has his brains eaten or something. Uh, he has his guts eaten and then somebody has to shoot him in the face. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at the end, end of season two, I think. But yeah, anyways. <laughs> what does it say about our, we're getting off the track, but what does it say about our society that this, the most popular show on TV is one where somebody has his guts eaten and is shot in the face? I don't know, man. I mean, we talked. That's probably, that's probably like a very minor moment in that episode. No, anyway. it was a it was a major moment. Okay. It was a big it was a big deal. Um, but it, to be fair, like I didn't really like him as a character. So what does that say about me? <laughs> exactly. Because he would be in prison without this movie that we're talking yeah. about. Well, we'll see. God forbid mm-hmm. there's a zombie apocalypse. Um, okay. <laughs> So the movie only had a $25 million budget, which I can see there's zero special yeah. effects. You know, it's all shot in essentially one location with multiple yeah. set pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, this, I think this is a common trend in the podcast. It was kind of a bomb. Was it, it really? I yeah, know. It, okay. it, yeah. It barely made any money. It only made $16 million in its initial run what in the theater. Joke. Oh my and reading, you know, some of the some of the reviews and kind of some of the revisional history, revisional history, revisionist nope. history, revisionist uh, history. Yeah. Thank you. It 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 appears that it was kind of there's there's multiple reasons. One was the lack of diversity, so it wasn't marketed mm-hmm. towards women. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, it was released around the same time that Forrest Gump was released. So obviously, uh, Forrest Gump is a juggernaut. It appeals to families, all ages, men, women. Yep. Apparently, there is not a strong market for prison movies, which I can, I guess, I can see. But for me, depending on what type of prison movie it is, like I'm, I'm all in. Yeah. Um, and then I guess people were were confused by the title; they weren't really sure what the movie was about based on the title. That makes sense. Yeah, all of that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, it does. And and uh, at that point, I don't think Morgan Freeman and Tim Robbins are really movie stars. I think. You know? Well, Tim Robbins had been in a few pretty big things, Bull Durham, yeah. um, some other movies. Uh, Driving Miss Daisy was not too many years before, but yeah, these aren't—they weren't, you know, blockbuster names, household names necessarily. So, right, I can right. see why it wasn't a huge success at the box office, but and, people and are I, stupid. Too, so. I I know Bull Durham, you know, is a is a is a massive movie and and super popular. I don't—he's obviously like goofy in that movie, and he's not. Right. You don't think of him, and I don't know that you still would necessarily think of him as a dramatic actor. Um, but true, I mean, I don't think he gets nearly enough credit for this movie. The fact that he wasn't nominated for any Academy Awards, not even nominated for this movie, is pretty ridiculous to me. That's you know, what surprised me is that Morgan Freeman—not that Morgan Freeman was nominated—but I always, obviously incorrectly, but I thought I I considered tim robbins andy dufresne as the lead character but it's I agree. red morgan freeman who was nominated as best actor in a leading role yeah so that surprised me but more surprising is that tim robbins wasn't nominated at all yeah no i agree and obviously morgan freeman didn't win tom hanks won for forrest gump which mm-hmm. I, I don't know man the, the the 94 academy awards is kind of all over the place and i think again looking at it what 25 almost 25 years later mm-hmm some of the stuff you're looking at doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like Frank Darabont wasn't even nominated for best director, which wow. is crazy to me. Um, but it, yeah, I would agree. I don't know whose movie this is. 
I identify it more as it's Tim Robbins movie. It's about Andy Dufresne, but Mm -hmm. the narration is, is red and you get more of, I guess you get more of his story than you do Andy. Yeah. Yeah, you do. I mean, it's hard to say that it's anyone's movie just because those two do so well. And even Warden Norton, and there's so many characters in it who do so much and help carry it. Um, and, but that's, it's strange that I don't know if I've seen a movie and I haven't really thought about it to know for sure, but I don't know if I can't think of a movie where two essentially lead characters, you know, have, have as much importance to the story and its success as, as those two do. Yeah. It's really an interesting dynamic and the, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, so obviously the, there's no, no Shawshank Redemption prison. There's no Shawshank prison. Um, yeah. It is, they, they filmed it in a prison in Ohio um, called the Ohio State Reform, uh, Reformatory. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I guess that's it. Now it's like a tourist attraction. Obviously uh-huh. there's a number of people who go there. Um, what I found interesting is that the, so the tree that Andy mentions that he leaves, I, I don't remember off the top of my head what type of tree it is. It's an oak tree. Thank you. Um, yeah. That, that he sends red to uh, because, you know, he, he proposed to his wife there and there's going to be a rock mm-hmm. and he essentially leaves him what the note and money there. That was mm-hmm. like a massive tourist attraction too. Really? It got, yeah. It got like 3,500 uh, tourists every year that would, that would wow. visit it. And then it got struck, struck by lightning. Um, no. then, yeah. Yeah. And then they had to tear it down, but then they, they essentially from the, the wood that they could claim from it, they made a bunch of like, Shawshank Redemption collectibles. <laughs> oh my gosh. Of which, course they did. Yeah. I was going to say, which is like the most Hollywood thing possible. Yeah. And like the least cool thing they could have done with this yeah. movie is like make co- collectibles for oh I, I, what? Yeah. I don't know. It's the same. You know, I recently went to, to Alcatraz. Um, oh, okay. I, I don't, I don't know if you've ever been. Nope. Nope. But I'd okay. like to. Yeah. So it was a bucket list item. Uh, my wife and I went and I was enamored the whole time mm-hmm. with with just the history of it and and just everything about it. And I've yeah. read numerous books about Alcatraz, and obviously there's there's movies made about it. And I always just I always associate Alcatraz with with this movie as well, hmm. just because there's some similarities about the escape. Um, oh yeah, how the, how the three gentlemen escaped from Alcatraz supposedly. Mm-hmm. Who knows if they actually made it, but whatever. Um, but when I they have like a massive gift shop in Alcatraz and they sell like you can buy replica uh, like plates and cups that like the inmates would use and it just who would do that dude everybody everybody was buying prison plates at your home you have guests over for a nice dinner you can serve them Alcatraz Alcatraz plate it was just funny that it's just it's like that and I think there's obviously there's the movie The Rock which is like a guilty pleasure oh yeah Um, and Sean Connery mentions like the rock is a fucking tourist attraction now. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, I was, I was shocked by the amount of, of multiple gift shops and the amount of like shit they sell there. And I, you know, I didn't buy anything. I bought a book um, okay. that I hadn't read yet. And then the, one of the authors of the book was there and, you know, I, I talked to him for a while and, and anyways, picked his brain on some theories, mm-hmm. but yeah, I was just shocked at the amount of shit they were selling. That's incredible. Yeah. I'm very disappointed to learn that the Shawshank oak tree is now, uh, you know, <laughs> no more. <laughs> well, that, but also more so that it, you can buy something for fifty-five dollars. I'm sure. <laughs> well, I know what you're getting for Christmas. 
<laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Actually, I probably, that's the thing. If someone sent me one, I'd say, oh, cool. I've got a Shawshank tree collecting <laughs> item. Uh, yeah. Um, okay, so as we talked about, the movie was nominated. Uh, you actually mentioned this, and then I, I looked it up because I can't trust your research. Okay. God knows my research sucks. Um, it was nominated for seven Academy Awards and two Golden Globes. Um, and didn't and it, win it, anything. It won nothing. It did win some SAG awards, which are Screen Actor Guilds, Guild Awards, which are mm-hmm. those are voted on by the actual actors. So I think that's you know that that, that award show doesn't. Them. Yeah, I mean that award show doesn't get any play, but it's you have to be an actual part of the the association, the uh, the the mm-hmm. you know the, the SAG act, the I can't even Screen Actors Guild. Thank you. I'm mm-hmm. thanking myself by the way. Um, <laughs> you have to be part of that. So part of the union to actually vote. So. Uh, yeah. It did win for that, but yeah, dude, no, no wins. And it wasn't even nominated necessarily in obviously only one acting category, no directing, a lot of technical and then uh best adapted screenplay and uh, a number of, of things that just weren't acting, which I thought was so interesting. It's, it's to me the biggest screw up in the history of Hollywood movie awards, <laughs> awards shows um, okay. because it's so good objectively so good in so many ways and i know forrest gump was the cultural phenomenon and was it's a good movie some could say it's a it's a great movie and i think maybe i've seen it so many times it's not as great anymore but it it was it's it seems now in hindsight that oh this is so great we'll give it all the awards and it won so many but for shawshank to not win a single golden globe or an oscar it's just a joke and and it's yeah. uh frankly very upsetting and i'm I'm very angry <laughs> you should write a strongly worded letter <laughs> i will um yeah the fact that look I, you and i talked about it i think we talked about it on the on the sandlot podcast um i think that pulp fiction or pulp fiction well i think that forrest gump is highly overrated um yeah. it's not nearly as good when you watch it now it's pretty sappy to me i think that tom hanks is is fantastic in it um, I find it odd that he won Academy Awards for Best Actor two years in a row. He won the, the you know the yeah. previous year for for Philadelphia, and then he won this. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. It's tough. It's it's tough because I don't know if I'm more offended by the fact that Pulp Fiction really didn't win anything, or mm-hmm. that Shawshank didn't really win anything. Both of those, I think, are pretty. Uh, if I'm not mistaken. Like Sam Jackson was nominated. He didn't win anything for Pulp Fiction. John Travolta nominated. He didn't obviously win anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only person maybe that won was Quentin for like best adapted screenplay or best original screenplay. Original screenplay. Yeah. Yeah. Original, yeah. But both of those not getting really any love throws me off. And then my personal favorite from that year is Ed Wood, which, you know, I know yeah. a lot of people haven't seen that. It's a weird ass old Tim Burton movie, black and white. That's about the, the shit director, Ed Wood. Um, mm. And it, the only thing it won was Best Supporting Actor for Martin Landau, which then people get uh, mad that he won and Sam Jackson didn't win. Uh, so, okay. but I mean, let's, before we start getting into the category, so 94, let's give a couple, you know, you, you mentioned this, you know, what 94 was such a great year. You brought it up. Um, so I just jotted down, not in any order, just jotted down what I thought was like are pretty culturally f- important movies just for pop culture and moving cinema in the, in where we are. So let me go through them real quick. You tell me mm-hmm. if you have another one that I left out and then kind of let's just chit chat about it. Cool. So yeah. Pulp Fiction, Forrest Gump, The Lion King, um, The Man. Professional. Shout out to Gary Oldman. Oh, uh, yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Uh, True Lies, Dumb and Dumber, Speed, Ed Wood, Ace Ventura, The Mask, 
Reality Bites, Maverick, Clerks, and Quiz Show. So wait, right off the, wait. go ahead. Sorry. In nine, in one year, Jim Carrey had Dumb and Dumber, Ace Ventura, and The Mask. Okay, so I had no idea that all happened because prior to like Ace Ventura, you're like, who the hell is Jim Carrey? He's right. just a weird dude on in Living Color. Uh-huh. Yeah, dude. I mean, yeah, wow. he those four or those three all came out in the same year. That's a pretty strong year for any comedian. Those are all like you can say what you want about The Mask. It's yeah, ninety four. I I enjoyed it. I haven't watched it in a long time, but Dumb and Dumber is up there for like one of the strongest mm-hmm. comedies ever. And then Ace Ventura is it's Ace Ventura. Like it's that's so a, good. Yeah. yeah. That's a culturally important movie just in pop culture and, and comedies. Like it's ridiculous. It's yeah. It's, it's peak Jim Carrey, you know, his weirdness from in living color. And one of those movies that is not a good movie necessarily, but it's one of no. my favorites. And, yeah. and that's, that blows my mind. I mean, I know we'll get to the rest of these movies here in a second, but what a year I can yeah. you name. I don't, I mean, what? No. no, probably not. I mean, I would have to go back, but that's a pretty strong. So the, the thing with comedians is it seems like they always have like a three to four year really strong window mm-hmm. and then you don't really hear from them again or they start doing, you know, different types of movies, more serious roles. Like Will Ferrell had a, a super strong oh, yeah. run, obviously, like Vince Vaughn had a, a really strong run at one point. Like Robin Williams had a really strong run, but none of them last very long. True. Like they, they may put out good movies over time, obviously, but they have. Like, dude, Will Ferrell was banging out like pretty strong. I'm not a huge Will Ferrell guy, but they were banging out pretty strong comedies for a solid like five years and then kind of fell off. But to put those three movies out in one year when you're a relatively unknown person and I'll go back Mm -hmm. and double check. But I mean, that was the the quick the quick check I did show that those all came out in 94. I believe it. I mean, I'm I'm not doubting your what you found, but that's just crazy to me. For sure. And it's such a year, such a great year. We could probably do this for for most years, maybe not most years, but there's probably such a great collection of movies, probably not of this caliber, but 94, it's just insane. You know, there were some others that um, that I saw earlier were Four Weddings and a Funeral. I don't think right. you named that one. No, I really good yeah. movie. Yep. Um, Real, Reality Bites. Right. Um, there were so many. I mean, I, I, I had forgotten about The Professional. I thought that it, that was later, but that's a great movie. Yeah, The Professional uh, is, is, I mean, if, Again, I think that's a if people haven't watched it, which I, I think you probably have to be a pretty big, you know, just movie fan in general to to know what that is or to have watched it. It's mm-hmm. Natalie Portman at like twelve years old mm-hmm. destroys that movie. Like she's fantastic. Yeah. Gary Oldman, again, you know, we all know how I feel about Gary Oldman, but he's fantastic yeah. in that movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, True Lies. I mean, again, I that, movie. that movie's great. That yeah. movie is one of Schwarzenegger's best movies. Ar- yep. Tom Arnold is hilarious in that movie. That movie is so funny and, and has such great action yeah. and speed as well. Speed, you say what you want about Keanu Reeves acting, it's not good. But in that type of movie, I think it, it works well. And Sandra Bullock's great. Yep. Dennis Hopper. That, I remember seeing that in the theater a couple of times and just, man, this year is amazing. I, I, would, I would argue that Speed is one of the best action movies ever. It, yeah. it And it redefined, like I've read n- numerous articles about Speed and how that mm-hmm. kind of started the summer blockbuster, oh. um, almost genre. So no, speed is 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 great. I mean, yeah. it's it's perfect for what it is. And then you have the Lion King, which most people that's it's not in mine, but most people would say that's top five Disney movies, if not the best Disney movie of all time. It's certainly mm-hmm. one of the most popular, if not the best Disney movie in the '90s. Again, not my opinion, but sure. a lot of people's. 
it won, you know, it, it was one of the first movies. I think it might've been the first or one of the first movies, animated movies that was nominated for best picture. I think. Oh, wow. Um, nope. I believe it. That's completely wrong, but I know that it did get a lot of love at the Academy Awards, but definitely not nominated for best picture. So you have have someone in your ear telling you you're (laughs) you're an idiot and wrong or something. You found that out pretty quickly. Yeah. Harry, Harry's talking to me. Um, Harry, good boy. Good boy. (laughs) Um, but yeah, like Maverick, again, I know I'm, I'm partial to, to Westerns and it's Uh, again, like a tongue in cheek Western, but I love it. I absolutely love that movie. It's really good. Yeah. All right. So we just lamented a lot over a bunch of movies that are not in this podcast. So let's <laughs> let's let's jump into the uh, the categories. Yeah. Unless you have anything yeah. you want to add. Let's let's jump in. All right. So most watchable scene. Um, I have a hard time. I really actually had a hard time picking because, again, for me, this movie, the whole thing is watchable. Yeah. And I don't think of it as individual scenes with the exception of the ending. I really just think of it as just one, one movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but I, but I, you know, for, for sake of our podcast, I, I jotted yeah. down some, some scenes. So the first one is, is the opening scene where Andy's on trial. Um, you and I mm-hmm. mentioned it just kind of how melancholy Tim, uh, Tim Robbins plays it. He's sitting on the stand. He doesn't, he, he doesn't seem phased by the questions. Cause he seems like he's so detached from what every, everything like he doesn't right. seem like it, this can't be happening. Like this didn't happen. I didn't do this. And then at when he, when they say he's, when he gets sentenced, like the look on his face, yeah. it, he, he lives like an entire lifetime through like his eyes. It almost seems. That's true. That's good. Yeah. yeah and, and it's uh, so good. Really strong scene. Yeah. It's so good. Um, and then almost just the next scene right after that is the introduction to Red and then Andy's introduction to Shawshank and then the first night in Shawshank. Mm-hmm. So what always gets me on that scene is the the great pan where they, they show the bus pulls up um, and the camera pans from like the front of Shawshank and then it goes in the big over aerial view and they kind of mm-hmm. show you just the grounds of Shawshank. And, yeah. you know, that, at that point, like the prison almost becomes a character. To True. me, like it's a character in the movie and you see how weathered it is and old and, and you kind of get a feel for it. But then the score, like the music that's mm. playing is haunting to me. Like it legitimately yeah. gave me, it gives me goosebumps because it's so understated, but plays so well off the emotions. Yeah, that's a very powerful scene. And I know it was nominated for best cinematography. And right. I think that that overhead scene, like you said, is panning across the whole, the entire grounds of the prison. Yeah. Um, yeah, you really get a sense of, you know, this is a large place, but it's so confined and you can never get out. You know, it has that type of feel Yeah, where um, it, it really sets the stage very nicely. That, that's a very strong moment and a strong scene. Yeah. And then obviously when, when, they're, when they're playing the, the game or, or they're betting on who's going to mm-hmm. lose it first and, you know, it's all fun. You don't really know. I don't want to say it's fun. There's, there's no part in this movie that's necessarily fun. Um, <laughs> but the movie's not really bleak though either if that makes sense like i don't watch it there's a lot of movies you'll watch one time like zero dark 30 for instance i watch it i I love Mm -hmm. jessica chastain i enjoy that movie but it's bleak man i don't want to keep watching it like i don't want to watch it multiple times where this obviously it's about prison it's serious but you don't feel that you know like you have a bond with the characters yeah and i've had people ask me how could this be you know my favorite movie because it's it's there's so many there are grim moments. It's, it's depressing, depressing in certain ways, but there's just something about it where 
it's it's like you said it's it's not like a zero dark 30 or something like that where you watch it once every 10 years because it's just not that pleasing there are yeah. there's something about it where um there's enough levity or maybe it's if you get back to the the word the key word in the whole movie hope you know you you're yeah. um you sense some hope that that there's something better despite being in this shitty place yeah i i think it's really they do such a good job of making you care about the characters you really, you really are invested in Red, and you're invested in Andy, okay. and you're invested in, uh, to a lesser Brooks. extent, like Brooks and all of you know, mm-hmm. uh, what's his name, um, the the other one who's like the kind of the hillbilly of the group. You're you're invested uh, in Tommy, obviously, too, when he you know for the right. short period of time. Um, but Haywood, you're invested in Haywood, Haywood, yeah, for the short short. You know, he's not on screen a bunch, but they they humanize these people, and they're not mm-hmm. like hardened criminals who, well, they are, but they don't make them seem that way. So I think that, right. that you you identify almost with them, the kind of the human part of it. But what I was saying in that scene is is you you don't know which way the movie is going to go, and it's not again not lighthearted. It's hard for me to describe. But as soon as as uh what what's his name the 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 head guard um, I'm spacing right now on it Adley Adley yeah Adley kills or beats the 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 dude the heavier set dude to death. You're like okay, this mm-hmm. is not. I, I don't know where this is going to go, but this isn't like, this isn't good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, that's, that's a very, very good scene. Yeah. Yeah. So then uh, the, the next scene I would have is when they're tarring the roof. Um, mm. That's the first time you kind of see Andy's personality at all. Cause he's yeah. pretty guarded and they, they even, you know, red even says that he was, that people thought he was stuck up and he was really guarded. Um, but just that that interaction, the interaction with Hadley, where he's going to throw him off the roof, and and you know, do you trust your wife? That scene is fantastic. Um, yeah. Doing a little research into the movie, I had never thought of this. So apparently, the movie has a ton of religious undertones. Obviously, you know, mm-hmm. the warden, warden, warden Norton, Norton, yeah, yeah, it's all about the Bible, allegedly, um, and and is preaching that. Um, but apparently. That scene, so the overall, so, so the theory is that the overall movie, Andy is is supposed to be Jesus, okay? And huh. specifically, that scene is supposed to represent the Last Supper, and then Andy is 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 giving his disciples, like, wine. Wow. Yeah, so um, yeah. I've never thought of that. I'm not an overly religious person, um, but I found that interesting, that this movie has all these these religious undertones, supposedly, and, and that... that um, you know, it's supposed to be like Andy's Jesus and Warden uh, Norton's, you know, Satan. And it's, it's an interesting yeah. read if you ever want to look at that. Yeah, I can see some, you, you could draw some parallels for sure. I hadn't, I would never have thought that. Um, but yeah, I, I can see how you could draw that conclusion. Yeah. All right. So then the next scene would be, uh, I really like when Andy's explaining how he kind of launders all of the money when he's talking mm-hmm. to 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 red and they again the cinematography where he's they're each on opposing sides of the bookcase the yeah. bookshelves and they're they're putting books in and he's explaining the whole uh who's randall stevens and and it's somebody i created and it's never going right. to come back to me or the warden I, I very much enjoy that and it's very simple yeah. but it's just two actors at that point that are just locked in and they're they're doing a good job um yep. the scene of tommy's story arc so that whole yeah. When Tommy comes in and, you know, he's just a fucking loudmouth kid and uh, he has one of my favorite lines of the whole movie, which we'll, we'll, I'll mention later. Um, but, you know, he's trying to get his GED and then he, he explains who killed 
um, Andy's act, you know, he actually knows the killer that, that killed Andy's wife. And that scene when he's explaining that to, to red and, and Andy, again, Tim Robbins face. Yes. It's just like, again, you can feel everything just through his expression. Mm-hmm. And what does he, what does he tell Warden Norton? You're obtuse. You're obtuse. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a great word. Oh, okay. Sets him off and sends him to the hole for a month, right? Two months, a, a month. And then he sends him yeah. back in. He, he goes and visits him, remember? And he tells him that Tommy's dead. And, and Andy says, you know, it all stops. Yeah. And then he, and then he, he explains. Him. Yeah. And then he says, or am I being too obtuse? And he says, give oh, him another month. Jeez. Yeah. So two months in the hole. Um, and then maybe the greatest 40 minutes. And I looked at it cause I was like, man, is it really, I still have 40 minutes left of this movie. And then, cause I thought it was coming to an end, not in a bad yeah. way, but Andy's escape. That's 41 yeah. minutes left in the movie. <laughs> it's is when it they really, yeah. and that might be my, some of my favorite. It's certainly one of my favorite scenes of all time is I know we're mm-hmm. going to talk about it. You mentioned it, the, the poster scene, yeah. um, but just that whole escape um, you know, the whole red, just talking about how much he misses his friend. Um, yep. like I get, I don't get emotional in movies very often. That one, that, that scene, especially the monologue where they're all lamenting mm. about Andy, you know, telling stories when, when he's already escaped and they're sitting at, at lunch or dinner or wherever in the mess hall mm-hmm. and, and Morgan Freeman's doing the the voiceover and he just says, you know, I get sad cause I just miss my friend. Like it, it, yeah. it gets me every single time. Every time. <laughs> That's such, that, yeah, I mean, I know we'll talk about it in more detail, but that has to be those final 41 minutes. I didn't realize it was that long, but yeah. there's not a single second in that 41 minutes that is that is not incredible, in my opinion. It's, yeah. There's such, it, that, it, that's impressive. It's not wasted. Like there's no mm-hmm. part that's wasted. There's uh, again, watching it today, I've noticed it before, but I just appreciate it so much is like when Morgan Freeman, when Red finds the box, and mm. he's like opening it, but then he takes the time to look around, like make sure nobody's look. there. And then he yeah, opens yeah. a little further and he pulls the money out and he like just fingers through the money and then he does it again. There's just these yeah. little things that are, are so great. Um, yeah. And then the ending, uh, this is all part of the, to me, Andy's escape. The ending mm. to this movie, is it perfect? Where they Pretty just, much. Yeah. He just walks up and he sees Tim Robbins. He sees Andy, you know, sand in the boat. They don't say anything. They don't yeah, you embrace don't see, nothing. They're yeah, just, you don't. You see, you see them running toward it, not even running toward each other, but just the recognition. Andy sees who's coming, and then you know, an overhead shot as it keeps pulling further and farther away. And I think it's it's got to be. I mean, it's a perfect ending. You yeah, know, you. I remember it, watching the first time. I wanted to. I wanted them to zoom in. I wanted to like. I wanted the movie to keep going. And what are they going to do now? You know. Right. And I think those types of movie endings, um, I think of the Fellowship of the Ring, uh, where Sam and Frodo are climbing over and they see Mordor in the distance. And you, it sets it up so perfectly. It's a great ending, setting up two towers. Yeah. And you just want to keep watching. And, and that's that speaks to the the greatness of the movie, but also the ending yeah. where... You know, it it wraps it up so well, but you don't want it to be wrapped up. At least that's how I sometimes view movie endings. Man, I'm so I'm so excited that you mentioned Lord of the Rings because I love Lord of the Rings, and I specifically or particularly love Fellowship of the Ring. It's my favorite it's, one of the group, which I is not oh, yeah. a, not a popular opinion. 
Um, mm. And I love the like four hour version of it. I, oh yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. And it's the least action packed one of them. And it just, it's the best storytelling to me. By far. Yeah. yeah we should have another discussion about that, but it's to me, it's the strongest one. And yeah. Uh, getting back to Shawshank, there's one other scene. I mean, it's it's part of the 41 minutes we were just, yeah. we we're talking about. But for a single scene, Red's final appearance in front of the parole board, yeah. where he finally tells them he doesn't give a shit, and he, you know, uh, I forget all the exact wording in this moment, even though I can recite it while the movie's going on. <laughs> it's just where he finally, after two appearances in front of the parole board, where he's first upbeat and you know, even though he knows he's going to get rejected, he's yeah. He seems upbeat and hopeful, and then the second one, he's just going through the motions. He knows it's fucked, and he's he's not gonna get out. And um, and then the third one, where he just he's had it, and he doesn't give a shit. And if you're gonna keep me here, yeah, says, stop wasting my time. And um, and then to see them stamp approved, <laughs> I you know, I get tingles right now. But every time, you know, it's just it's like holy shit, yes, yeah. it's it's such a such a great moment. Yeah, because at that point, you 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 kind of know what's coming. Like, you know, yeah. you, you hope that he's yeah. going to reunite uh, with Andy. And I remember watching it for the first time and they do a good job again in those 40, 41 minutes or however long it is after, after they show that Andy's already escaped where you're on the edge of your seat. Cause they, mm. they extend scenes to the point where you're like, okay, is the movie going to end? Like, is he not really going to mm. ever see Andy again? And then, yeah. you know, it's, it's a lot of, there's not a ton of dialogue. It's a lot of long, long, longer scenes, shot scenes, mm. a lot of walking. Uh, the mm-hmm. music is great. So they do a good job of, if you don't know, like, is he actually going to meet Andy or is it, are they done now? Yeah. Um, funny that you mentioned the parole board meeting or the, the hearing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Did you know that that is Morgan Freeman's son in those pictures? Is it really? Yeah. So that's his son, oh. which is also funny because have you ever noticed at the beginning when they're bringing in Andy, all the new uh, inmates, and they're walking him through. And there's one guy who's like, he's doing like a fishing reel motion. Yeah, he's like, reel, reel him in. that's yeah. him. That's his son. Is it really? Who's in oh, those wow. pictures. Yeah. So when next time you watch it, pay attention to that. That's so that's his son yeah. in the pictures as, as young red. And then that's him in the movie with the, with the fish fishing pole. And I've always noticed that guy because he's the only one that stands out in the crowd. And he's the only one yeah. who actually has a line, but it's not, not a prominent line. And it's not even supposed sure. to be a line. I don't think, but you just hear him. Um, that's, but yeah, that's that's Morgan Freeman's son, uh, uh, which I thought is awesome. His name's Alfonso Freeman. So, yeah, give it yeah. a check it out next time. He needs he he deserves an Academy Award too. <laughs> that scene always does make me laugh when he's like motioning the the yeah. fishing line. He's like reeling them in. <laughs> you fish. Um, so out of those scenes, I mean, I feel like I already know what you're going to pick. But what would be your favorite? specifically the poster reveal scene. And I don't know if we want to talk about that now or later, but um, yeah, let's talk about it's, it. It's hard to, yeah, that to me, that is the single greatest moment in movie history. And I know there are, <laughs> you, could, you could pick, it's, it's certainly debatable, but for me yeah. watching that. So I, I contributed to the lack of box office success to this movie because I, I didn't see it in the theater, but I well, saw it at home. To be fair, you were 13. So I was 13. Probably yeah. not an appropriate movie for you to say 13. <laughs> But I saw it later at home when I was 13. So, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> so, yeah, the movie theater is a more uh, strict place than my home. Um, Moral compass. Yes. And so my dad had said, oh, this is a great movie. And so we rented it. And um, I just remember I had no no idea 
how how the hell Andy was, you know, where where he was, how he got out, whatever the fuck happened, and then Warden Norton throws the rock through the poster, right. and the moment when he tears it down, and it's such a, a forceful tearing of of the poster, and then the camera is is inside the hole, and it zooms away from the three. It's it's yeah. Captain Hadley and Warden Norton and, and Red and. It blew my fucking mind, <laughs> unlike anything in the history of movies, anything I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of movies, not as many as you, but it's just, it was the most amazing thing. And to think, you know, then, then of course they explain how Andy did yeah. it. You know, they, they show him peeling away the first bit of wall and, and um, it's just incredible. So that moment is, I think it's the best moment in movie history. And that scene is, had more, it was, it was just the most amazing scene I've ever seen. So I agree with that. I agree with everything you're saying. Um, the thing that got me is they don't ever allude at any moment that he's trying, that he's, he's planning on escaping. Like you just yeah. think he's going to be in the prison forever. Like that's just, that's going to be the movie. They right. don't ever mention anything. And, and he never mentions anything about escaping to red who by all mm-hmm. accounts is you know, like his best friend at the time. And it is a big reveal. And that shot where it it zooms, you know, quick zoom out, I guess, because mm-hmm. it, it's focused, mm-hmm. it's it's in, you know, the, the camera's focused on, like you said, the three faces and then pulls out yeah. is a great scene. So yeah. you asked what were the best single moments in cinematic history, right? And mm-hmm. you, you, you preferenced that with no, you didn't say like a, like a, a group of scenes, right? You, you wanted one specific right. moment. So I wrote, yep. I, I just off the top of my head, because I didn't want to like look at the, I didn't want to do any research about this. I wanted to think like what has stood out in my mind as, as great moments. So I wrote down a couple. Right. Did you do this? Yeah, I did not because, but yeah, you're right. It should be a moment that you don't have to research. It, it's just, it's in your head. Okay. You know, you know it. And yeah, so I'm glad that you didn't research. So let's hear them. So I have, I have two from empire strikes back. Um, the, I love you. I know moment. Ah, okay. strong. And then the, the, I'm your father. Uh, mm, okay. Um, but then I also have the introduction to the T-Rex in Jurassic Park because that movie, again, has has left its stamp on me and blew my mind with special effects. But the moment the T-Rex comes out, everything from like how good it looked to the noise it made to the way mm. the, that that shot is set up to the rain, everything mm. is just it, it, it is burned into my brain for forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then probably my favorite, probably my favorite scene moment in any movie ever is when Willy Wonka opens the doors and he's got all the kids and you see the chocolate factory for the first time and pure imagination yeah. starts playing. And hence that's why, you know, pure imagination is my opening song to the podcast. Right. It's mm-hmm. also my second favorite movie of all time. And Gene Wilder is my favorite actor of ever just, yeah. that scene. It just gets me every time like goosebumps smiling. Mm-hmm. I love it. I've watched it on YouTube multiple times. Like I just, I don't know, man. It just has everything. There's a sense of hope, imagination. Like it's yeah. just fantastic. So that for me would be it. But, but the reveal of the whole is it's, I don't know, top three or four for sure. It's so, yeah, those are, that's a great list. Um, and you know that you really love a part in the movie. If you YouTube it too, if it's a movie you've seen a million <laughs> times and you also need to feel the need to YouTube it, that's when you know it, it's left an impact. Yeah. I think, I think, um, yeah, I should think more. I should have come more prepared for well, this. Uh, but I, I think the moment where 
Darth Vader says, I am your father. That has to be, that's got to be my number two. That's, yeah, that's amazing. You know, and I think there are so many, so many stories, you know, people tell, you know, what, what, what did you think when you, when you heard that? And right. that's, that's a great moment in movie history. And there's, you know, there's, there's some other ones. Um, there's when Dumbledore dies, um, there's when Snape mm-hmm. dies, but those are obviously I had read those books, so I know that's coming. So that's a little different, you know, um, for instance, like Jurassic Park, I had read that book before the movie came out, probably not a good book to read when you're like 11. Uh, <laughs> but again, it's the see, it's when you actually get to see it, like the visualization yeah. of the Tyrannosaurus. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, but, that, um, and that uh, I thought of one more. Sure. It's when it's in Fellowship of the Ring, which to me is the second best movie of all time. Um, <laughs> when they're oh god, and I I don't know all the terminology or the exact places, but it's when they're on the bridge trying to escape escape the bull the dragon, yeah, the bull rock, yeah. And after Gandalf has slammed, you know, he's stabbed his uh, his staff into the bridge for right. it to collapse. And then he's falling and he says, fly, you fools. Yep. And then he falls. And that moment, that's that's top five for me as well. Especially if you've never read those books. You don't know and if I he's coming back. <laughs> like you think, yeah, holy right. shit, they just kill. And to be fair, I mean, he doesn't come back as the same. He comes True. back as a different incarnation. You know, he goes Grandoff the Grey, Grandoff, Gandalf the White. Ooh. But anyways, yeah, no, I agree. That was a, holy shit, they literally just killed off. <laughs> right. <laughs> they just killed off the main character. Uh-huh. Um, the, the other thing I would say to that is, I don't know if you watch Game of Thrones or not. Um, I do. Okay. So I didn't read the books prior and I have read a uh, majority of them now, but, uh, mm-hmm. when they kill off, uh, Ned Stark, you're like, there's zero oh, chance. Right. <laughs> and it's, oh, or when, the Red Wedding, when they kill Rob, exactly. yeah, that, that whole show is like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Stop it. But, but after they kill Ned, a, they don't kill him in a season finale. It's like the seventh episode. <laughs> So you're like, realize. yeah, it's not a finale. So you're oh, like, okay, God. everybody can die on this show. <laughs> yeah. And then the red wedding when when they're stabbing pregnant women in the belly. Oh, no. You're yeah, like, God. okay, this, this movie has no moral, or the show has no moral compass. Zero. They're not afraid yeah. of prison. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we completely went off topic, but I, I I I dug that question you brought. I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I would encourage everybody to just think about you know what, like you said, what. What is your favorite moment in, in, in just the history of movies? And don't yeah. look it up, just whatever comes yeah. to your mind. Exactly. And you'll continuously think of ones. Like I'm sure mm-hmm. later I'll think about it and there'll be another one. Yep. Um, you know, I know you could even say, and it's not for me, but like the big reveal in the sixth sense when oh, yeah. you're like, oh shit, Bruce Willis is a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's dead. Like you, I don't know. I, that movie doesn't do much for me, but you're like, holy shit, that's a big, that's a yeah, crazy moment. It was. Um, all right. So then we go into uh, the standout performance of the of the film. I only have two because I think everybody else is supporting and I think yeah. everybody else is not. I think they're more of who did the most with the least. Um, but it's obviously going to be Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman. Yeah. And I don't even know if I could pick between the two. It's hard. Um, I think. Shit, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we've had 24 years to, to probably think of <laughs> who we like best. I, I think it might be Red, but um, okay. uh, for me, it's not necessarily who I like the best because they're both amazing. I think uh, man, I, watching it again today with more of trying to be more critical, 
I really think I like Tim, Tim Robbins' performance better. Not to say, I mean, obviously Morgan Freeman's performance is amazing. I think it's probably mm-hmm. his best performance in any movie. But yeah. I think Morgan or Tim Robbins is asked to do more with less actual lines. Uh, it's again, more of a, I keep mentioning, you know, his face and how he has yeah. to interact with his eyes. I think, I think I respect that more. If that, that's a good point. Yeah, it it does make a lot of sense. He's using, a, you know, I'm not a technical person. I'm going to sound like a moron to people who actually like study cinema, but just he uses every, every bit of his body, every bit of his, you know, his talent um, to convey everything that needs to be conveyed. Whereas red, uh, it's 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 dialogue. It's the it's the narration, which I think, for me, maybe narration is is you have to be good at narration for it to come across as as well as you want it to. And and he's right. probably the obviously he's well known. His voice is like the most well known voice in the world <laughs> besides James Earl Jones, maybe. And so, um, but yeah, I think it's a good point. Maybe Tim Robbins has to do more um, because of he, he's going through the ups and downs in a major way throughout the entire movie um that's so i i think i I agree with you there might be the stronger performance of two outstanding performances yeah uh, but again i i don't want to say either one like they're both so they're both amazing Uh, Mm um but i think again the movie doesn't work also if the narration doesn't work and Mm -hmm. i'm a big i think a lot of times in movies the narration doesn't work and you're like this i don't need this um but Mm -hmm. for this movie it it's fantastic he does a great job uh, yeah. And again, like we talked about Sandlot, Sandlot is another one that lends itself well to that. The narration is, is fantastic. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's just call it a draw. <laughs> draw. They're, they're both Good. great. Um, yeah. So then I have worst performance. I don't have anybody. I yeah, there's a, uh, I was, I was, I knew you'd ask this question and there are a couple lines that people deliver. Um, I can't even remember, remember them now, but it's, it's like, oh, they kind of forced that line. Or, but in terms of an actual performance, you know, somebody's entire uh, appearance in this movie, there's nothing that's weak, I don't think. Yeah. Even, like I said, even from the, the supporting actors to the actors, again, the, the, the heavier set dude who, who gets mm. beaten to death, he even gives a good performance. Like, I don't think, yeah. he, and there's nobody that's wasted. Even the, the prison guard who's, who's talking to Andy about the music, and he's like, I'm going to go pinch a loaf, like have this all cleaned up. Like he's even good. Like everybody's good. Um, Okay. Uh, The next category, Jamie Foxx award for overacting. I got nothing. I got nothing. (laughs) I I think the one person who I thought, I think it's some of Haywood's lines. um, Yeah. Maybe not some, but just a couple of them. And uh, I don't think he overacts, but he's the one that I might, if I had to give this award, it's not fair to give him this award because he doesn't. He he adds he adds a lot to the movie, so it's not like he you can give this award to somebody who who ben, who's a great benefit to the movie. So and he's I agree. Al- he's also death in uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Adventure, Bogus Journey. Um, <laughs> That's right. So I'm not. I can't say anything bad about him. And he's also a bad guy in Die Hard Two, who's doing naked yep. karate or yoga in front of the in front of the TV at the beginning. So I got nothing. I love this guy. Yeah, he's fantastic. Okay, so who did the most with the least? Um, I got three people. Um, you got Bob um, Gunton, who is Warden mm. Norton. You have Clancy mm. Brown, who is who is Captain Hadley, um, who I lamented quite a bit in the Starship Troopers podcast because <laughs> he's fantastic in that. Um, wow. Yeah. Who, who like, 
could they be in any more different movies? <laughs> like, <Star> right. <laughs> but he's playing a very similar character in both. Um, hmm. And then, and then Gil, his name's Gil Bellows and he played Tommy. Um, uh, yeah. It's hard, man, because I love the 15 minutes that Tommy's in. Yeah. Um, but I love Hadley, like not love him, but I love the performance that Hadley gives and he gives amazing, he has amazing lines. Yes. And the shit he says to people is, is amazing. (laughs) If I were, if I were a terrible, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, if I had, if I was a terrible person and I had no (laughs) conscience, I would use his lines on people all day, every day. Yeah. They're so insulting and they're so original and, and it's great. I think he he, he calls somebody a fuck stick, which I say constantly, <laughs> like all the time. And then I think he calls somebody a cum stain, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he, call, because, he calls uh, he, he calls the the, the heavy set guy at the beginning a fat barrel of monkey spunk. I remember maybe. that. <laughs> which I'm guessing spunk, uh, it's 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 just very creative. And I think I would give this, I would give this award to him just because he's on, he's on screen less than Warden Norton and a little bit more than Tommy, but um, he's such a fucking asshole and just so good at it. And, and to hear Red's narration at the end where he says um, toward the end where he says, I heard uh, Byron Hadley, I heard Byron Hadley wept like a little girl or something like that. So it's such a great feeling to see that this terrible guy who destroyed and killed people, obviously um, got some, you know, he got his in the end. And no, yeah, yeah, it's, he's fantastic. I'm with you. Let's, let's just give it to him. He also has the line where he's grabs Tim Robbins and he's like, watch out. I think he says like, watch out fellas. He's about to have an accident to fucking toss him off the goddamn roof. (laughs) Oh, man. He's great. Yeah. Um, okay. But also, I mean, we're going to talk about I, I, uh, another one of your your recommendations was a was a villain who's the villain of the movie. And we're going to talk about it in a little bit. Um, Warden Norton mm-hmm. gives it. I mean, he's a prick in this movie, too. Oh, yeah. He's a prick. Yeah. But we're going to talk about it. Um, so I, I have a category that I didn't <clears throat> I didn't mention to you. Who's your favorite member of Red's crew? Mm. So I have Brooks, Good. Haywood, mm-hmm. and Tommy. Who's your favorite? I mean, I've got a. I like Brooks. I mean, I feel most sentimental toward Brooks. Um, it's just this, you know, a sweet old guy who wants, strangely wants to stay in prison until he's dead. But, uh, but I think, um, I think I like Tommy. I don't know. I, no, I'm going to yeah. go Brooks. What do you say? Um, I Brooks and Jake. <laughs> His crow, Jake. Jake. Um, yeah, I, I like Brooks. I mean, he's endearing. He's a, a nice old man. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you don't know what he did. He just mentions. He just refers to himself as an old crook. You don't really know what yeah. most of these guys did. I mean, they don't. They don't really mention it. They they say Red Red killed somebody, and and Tommy mm-hmm. was, um, but I think B and E. I think it is. Yes, yeah, B and E. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I like Tommy. He's charming. Again, he's not. He's not in it enough to really. Like, he comes and mm-hmm. goes pretty fast. Um, but yeah. yeah, I think Brooks. Haywood is funny. He's got a, a bunch of lines mm. when he picks up the, the horse shit. Horse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it makes me, and he smells his hand. Like, dude, you, it's mm. horse shit. Why are you, you're good. You don't need to smell your hand. Um, yeah. That's, that smells like shit. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I, yeah, I kind of like them all. Like they're just all, again, that's yeah. what, that's what is so great about this movie is all the characters are endearing. Like you enjoy them mm-hmm. all except for the sisters. 
Um, right. we're gonna mention, I'm, it's coming up. Uh, yeah. Okay, so I, I have a, because uh, this movie has a ton of them kind of casting what ifs, like people that were uh, uh, rumored or actually auditioned or are offered the position. So Andy has a ton, okay? The, the character for Andy. Mm-hmm. And it spans the gambit, man, of like, just, I'll just read them to you and then we can talk about it. Yeah. Gene Hackman, Robert Duvall, Clint Eastwood, Paul Newman, Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks, Kevin Costner, oh. Johnny Depp, Charlie Sheen, and Nicolas Cage. All for Andy. Can you imagine? I mean, Charlie Sheen has he has done. I'm thinking of Charlie Sheen right now. Yeah, but he he, he did some he did some good work earlier yeah, in his Pl- career. Platoon, he's fantastic. And I do Major League. Yeah. He's you can. Yeah. Oh yeah, Major League is not a tour de force, but he's fantastic in Major League. Yeah, um, I can't. But I, what's with all the old people at I, the start? I mean, I, I guess know. they were younger. Yeah, younger then, but still, that's that's a lot of old people. For... Well, so from what I was reading about, like Hackman, Duvall, and Eastwood, and Newman, those are, and I was like, is this right? Are they sure these weren't supposed yeah. to be for Red? Yeah. Uh, but I guess Frank Darabont, like those are some of his favorite actors. So he put out, okay. it looks like put out feelers to them and asked them. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether they, you know, went any further than from, from that, I don't know. I know that Tom Cruise actually like had heavy conversations and- mm was like pretty far in the process to do it. And then he ended up not doing it. Tom, this Hanks, would be, go ahead. If, if Tom Cruise had been Andy Dufresne, it doesn't work. Can you, can you think of two, two more different people or at least acting styles or at least what, at least what Tim Robbins did with this role compared to what Tim, Tom Cruise does in every movie ever. None of the people I mentioned could be, could do what Tom or uh, Tim Robbins does. Cause he's so understated. No. Yeah. And I think that Sorry. might be also because he's not a movie star. Like these guys yeah. are all bona fide at that point movie stars, with the exception of Johnny Depp, and I guess Nicolas yeah. Cage. But can you fucking think of anybody worse of, for any movie than Nicolas Cage as Andy Dufresne? No. Like <laughs> Johnny Depp, no. who I love in that time frame, but he's gonna play yeah. a weirdo. Yep. Yeah, they that would, anything but Tom. I mean, you can say because you know the role only as Tim Robbins, but it, I would say anything other than him, any, at least from that list, yeah, nothing would have worked. Even Tom Hanks would have been terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Hanks, uh, uh, this is going to be blasphemy. I don't know how much I think, how, how great I think Tom Hanks is in things. I think he plays variations of Tom Hanks. He does. I think, I mean, I like him a lot. Yeah. Um, I think he's outstanding. I think he would probably be okay in this role, but he wouldn't do it total. He wouldn't do it service really. I just don't know when he's played an under like a really understated role. I, I, I the, kind, of, kind of in Philadelphia. I yeah, mean yeah. that that character is the most understated that I can think of because he's you know, earlier Tom Hanks, you know, real boisterous and loud. You know, think of Big or yeah. The, um, the burbs see things the, like that the burbs i think he's a little understated because he's supposed to be like the straight guy everybody else That's is kind of wacky i mean i guess he's understated in castaway but he kind of has to be because he doesn't yeah um all right yeah i just think that whole list is really weird mm-hmm. um so then originally the original person that was cast and signed and started like you know doing the the lines didn't actually record anything didn't actually wasn't on film uh, for tommy mm. was brad pitt Really? Yeah, and then because of the the success of Thelma and Louise, I guess he started getting a bunch of uh, uh, stuff, and he dropped out. But like he was cast. Uh, I think it worked out okay for him. 
<laughs> I mean, it did, but he could have still done this role as a. I mean, I saw. I did see that Legends of the Fall came out the same right. year, ninety four. Exactly. So maybe okay, you know, that's that's a smart career decision. But and Interview with a Vampire. Okay, all right. I, I mean, is, I get it. Yeah, which is actually like it pains me to say this: is Interview with a Vampire is not a terrible movie. I haven't seen it in decades. It's not good, but it's not terrible. <laughs> I, I think what throws you off is like Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt's hair, and kind of yeah. how like the androgynous. Like mm-hmm. you don't really feel good about it. Cause you're like, am I attracted to him? Am I not attracted <laughs> to him? Anyways, not saying I am, but not saying I'm I, not. <laughs> I, I mean, sometimes I ask myself that question when they're, you know, in normal clothes, you know, Hey, they're, they're attractive yeah, guys, right? For sure. Um, sure, sure. Maybe the, the one out of all of these that I was like, I wish it would have happened. So Boggs, who is the leader of the, Ooh. the, the, uh, what the, I can't, sisters. the sisters. Thank you. Fucking James Gandolfini. <laughs> whoa which would have been amazing fucking yeah, tony soprano yeah telling people to swallow what i'm putting in your mouth oh uh, yeah <laughs> he's got that he's got the perfect demeanor for that role that would have been good have you ever watched true romance yeah oh yeah okay. so i don't think he's that far from the character he played in true romance <laughs> that's true that's a good point um but yeah i would have i would have been in, i'm in like i would have loved it mm-hmm. i think gandolfini can do you know, God rest his soul. I think he could have done like anything because oh, yeah, yeah. I think he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have the uh, Alfonso Freeman, uh, which I already mentioned to you, played played the oh, younger yeah. version of Red. And mm-hmm. then probably my favorite thing is in Hollywood at that point, there's no um, there's no internet, obviously. And what Hollywood will do is they'll send out faxes. They're called faxes. And they'll send out um, literally a fax and it'll have a casting call or like they'll mm-hmm. have casting calls in like the Hollywood Reporter and magazines at that point. So this was originally going to be called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, right? Mm-hmm, so people mm-hmm. showed up as oh. Rita Hayworth, <laughs> not in the movie. Um, like you said, she's a in she's in a print, like obviously a poster, and then she's there's a movie within a movie. Um, right. But they, I guess, apparently a bunch of a drag queens came um, dressed as Rita Hayworth as well to, wow. to to audition, and then a bunch of people dressed just as you know women dressed as Rita Hayworth to to audition for a character that's not even in the fucking movie <laughs> that's I mean I'm, I guess I'm not surprised I, I would I could see how people would come to that conclusion that they need to you know, that's part of what they <laughs> need to show up as right but still weird yeah all right so next category which was something you asked um kind of who the villain is of the movie um, so I, uh, you, you said two specifically, and I think there's two, uh, you know, obvious ones, but I put the sisters in there as well. So you have, you have yeah. Warden Norton, you have uh, Captain Hadley, and then the sisters. I, I just grouped them in, even though it's really just, just the one, um, Boggs. Boggs. So yeah, that's a good think, addition. Yeah. And they're, he, he's barely in the movie, um, but they do make the reference that that was Andy's hardest two years in prison mm-hmm. with, was those first two years. And if it kept, I think they say if it kept happening that way, that he wouldn't have made it. Yeah, I think that's that's a good. You can't discuss the best villains in this movie without adding Boggs and the sisters, um, because yeah, I mean he destroyed him for for a couple of years, and, and you think <laughs> probably part of why you're so scared of prison is is thinking <laughs> you know, putting yourself in Andy's shoes, you know, as the sisters are are chasing him, and so. Um, but for me, it's and and we we discuss Captain Hadley and how he's just he, he's the worst human alive basically. But for me, I, I'm going to go with Warden Norton just because it's so understated. He, you never see him really get animated except for when Andy calls him obtuse. That's when you see you know, there's rage in his eyes, but 
like the moment when he's in, when Andy's in the hole after a month and then he tells him, you know, let's, let's give him another month to think about it. Um, yeah. It's so calm and it's so sinister and evil. Uh, and of course everything, he, he runs everything there. You know, he yeah. Hadley does what he does because you know, Warden Norton allows it and, and, and it encourages it. So I give him this shit face award. Yeah. I think, I think Hadley and the sisters are kind of uh, a product of their environment, uh, mm-hmm. especially the sisters. Uh, but Hadley is, you know, you kind of hear about correctional officers and that, that are like this or not maybe to that extreme, but you know, what they're around every day, they become numb to kind of normal society and, and they're just dealing mm-hmm. with the worst of the worst. Not saying that what he did was okay, obviously, Right. There's some parts where you can be like, okay, he has a few redeeming qualities. Like he looks out for Tim Robbins at one point, you know, obviously that's why he beat, they beat Boggs right. up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's gotta be Norton to me, Warden Norton, because he mm. is, he's the biggest criminal there. Yeah. He's like a mastermind criminal shows zero remorse does. Mm-hmm. And he's the worst type of person where he doesn't think he's in the wrong. Like right. he, yeah. is, he thinks what he's doing is completely right. And, and he's yeah. empowered by this sense of like righteousness so it's yeah. it's got to be him. Um, the only counter argument I would have to that is, you know, he he set Tommy up, but then Hadley is the one who shoots Tommy. True. You know. So, but again, I think Hadley is is a is a is a weapon of mm-hmm. of the warden. You know what I'm saying? Like he's been Absolutely. he's been pushed that way. Not saying he's yeah. a good dude, but I I just think I just I think it's it's got to be it's got to be Norton. Yeah, absolutely agree. Yeah. Um, so then we'll go into, you know, uh, does this still work? You know, does this hold up the category? And again, I don't really have anything. Cause I think, again, this movie is pretty perfect. The diversity is pretty glaring, but I think it's mm. a, it's, it's because of what the movie is about. Um, yeah, but I don't really have anything besides that on, on that. Me neither. And, um, I think it works. I, uh, it, you know, it's, it's a, I don't know if you would call it a period piece. It's probably not that. I don't. I don't know how the clear definition of a period piece, but it's yeah. uh, the way it's um, you know it it conveys that period very well um, when they're in the prison, but also when Brooks and uh, and Red get out. You know, it's it's uh, it all holds up very well, and nothing looks like uh, that that's dated or um, none. You know, there's no like you said, no CGI. There's nothing, no graphics or no effects that don't come across 24 years later. I think it's, and I know I'm, I'm kind of biased, but I think this movie has no weaknesses. Okay. No, I mean, I agree. I agree. Again, watching it today, I don't see anything that's, that's glaring or any, even mm-hmm. looking at it, trying to be more critical. I don't really have anything I can nitpick. Yeah. Cause okay. it's a perfect movie. <laughs> All right. So then we go into this still works or this is, you know, what, what still holds up today. So I have two, I have the, uh, just kind of the overall idea of prison, which that sounds ridiculous. But again, it's it's a tried and true kind of movie formula, you know. It's not yeah. over the top by any means. It's not over. It's not overly violent. It just kind of mm-hmm. gives you a snapshot of what prison life is like. Um, yeah, and I think that still works. And then every single performance, <laughs> every performance yeah. holds up. Man, you could do this movie now, and it's fine. It 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 doesn't. Yeah, you. I think that's the. That is the really the quintessential question. Can you make this movie now? And is are you going to have to change anything? No, not a single thing. And I think, to me, what I like most about my favorite movies—well, not my favorite movies, but what I think are the best movies—are 
um, primarily, well, it's really strong writing, which this movie has, and really good performances, is performances, and we know that this has plenty of those. So I think it, it could be released today. Maybe it wouldn't succeed in the box office any better than it did in 94, but I think it would be critically acclaimed and people would, would realize and respect it for just how great it is in the same way they did uh, back then. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. Um, I, yeah, like you, we both said it. I just think it's perfect. It doesn't have yeah. weaknesses. It can be, the, the writing is super strong. The dialogue strong. Um, it just, you know, a lot of times you'll watch things and, and you're like, okay, there's some, you know, some, maybe some racist jokes or some homophobic mm-hmm. jokes or, or lack of cell phones or just technology yeah. in general. This doesn't have any of that. It doesn't need it. It right. just works. Yep. All right. So my favorite category, most memorable line, um, mm-hmm. off the top of my head, I was like, does this movie have a ton of lines? There's one specifically that is my line. I think it's the best line. I've used the line. I've texted it to you, I think. Um, it's the best. But we'll, we'll, I have some others as well. And feel free to add because I'm sure, I hope that you have some others. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a, since I'm innocent of this crime, sir, I find it decidedly inconvenient that the gun was never found, uh, yep. which is pretty much the only thing he says, Andy says when he's being examined at uh, mm-hmm. during his trial. I yep. have <laughs> put your trust in the Lord. Your ass belongs to me. Welcome to Shawshank, uh, well, yeah. uh, which is just a classic, classic line when when the warden's explaining to the new inmates how it, yeah. how it's going to be. Um, the welcome, the welcome to Shawshank at the end. Yeah. It's like you know that that adds to it. Just like you're in hell, but welcome. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, I understand you're a man who knows how to get things, mm. which is fantastic. And then Morgan Freeman's response to that is also fantastic. Um. I've been known to locate things, certain things from time to time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, This one, I know you're going to be like, nope, I don't like it, but it's another one. It's one of the things that Captain, uh, that Hadley says, you're going to look funnier sucking my dick with no teeth. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. See, when I was, when I was younger and a bit more crude and didn't have to watch my language around people, I know I use that line, like amongst friends in just, uh, you know, in, in weird situations, but. That's Captain. That's Captain Headley's best line. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know how to read, you fu- you ignorant fuck. Which is <laughs> Andy's just being defiant when he's gonna, you know, when, yeah. when the last encounter with the sisters, um, and he, the one of the sisters, I think it's Boggs, asks yeah. him like, "How do you know this?" And then he says, "You know how to read, you ignorant fuck." Like I read it <laughs> in a book. Mm-hmm. Um, hope is a dangerous thing. Hope can drive a man insane. It's got no use on the inside. Yeah, red. Red. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then uh Tommy's I say this line constantly to people. Uh when when they Tommy asks what what Andy did and he said he's a murderer and he just says, The hell you say. Like it's just <laughs> it's perfect. I love that yeah. line. Mm-hmm. Um but my favorite line, and again, I think I've texted this to you, is is get busy living or get busy dying. It's the best. Yeah. That's my choice too. It's like and and uh you know, Brooks says it first, you know, in his letter, but then the addition, you know, read at the end says, you know, get busy living, get busy dying. That's goddamn right. Yeah, when he's on the bus, and, right? Yeah, he says he's he's carved his name into the wood above where Brooks hanged himself. Um, yeah, that movie or that line, that's the best line of the whole movie, I think. Well, see, and that, and that line is used three different times. So it's used as a goodbye oh, for Brooks, man. and then it's used when when 
Andy is telling Red that essentially you think he's telling him like goodbye and he's going to kill himself. And before he gets up, he says that to him. And he Mm -hmm. says it's very bleak and he delivers it. I mean, he's sad. He's like a broken man. He's crying. But then when when Red says it, he's on the way to see Andy and he's a free man. And I think he even says uh, he says something to you know, I can't keep a straight thought. Like I'm so happy. And it's only something that like a free man can experience. Yeah. And uh, so there, that line is used three different times in some variation to like, just, just to emote, just an emotion, like three different mm-hmm. ways. So I think yeah. that, I just think that it's great. Um, it is. Speaking of just real quick, speaking of the, put your trust in the Lord, your ass belongs to me. Welcome to Shawshank. Mm-hmm. So again, going to Alcatraz, they had a great line in, I think it's the mess hall. And it, it said, yeah. uh, if you break the rules, you go to prison. If you break the prison rules, you go to Alcatraz, oh, that's good. which is such yeah. a great line that was like yeah. etched in a sign at actual Alcatraz. And again, that just always makes me think of fucking Shawshank too. Yeah. Um, that's good. So do you have any extra, any other ones you want to add to that or there's another no. real quick? Sorry. There's also, I didn't write it down. It made me laugh. I was going to mention it earlier, but I didn't want to interrupt you when the warden is talking about like, where did he go? He's like, he disappeared <laughs> like a fart in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> and then let's say you're there fuzzy britches. Yeah. Yeah. It just makes me laugh. Um, but yeah, but there's one last good line is, is uh, Re- uh, Andy's letter. To, it's it's what it's the letter that red finds in the box and he says after red earlier has said hope is a dangerous thing Andy writes hope is a good thing maybe the best of things and no good thing ever dies yeah and that, that line is stuck with me so that's that's up there yeah no it, it is this movie like at the end of the day the movie's just about friendship right yeah like it's a movie about these two men who developed and probably an unconventional friendship at that point, because you think about like all the civil rights things and how, mm. you know, where we were as a culture and a white man and a black man becoming friends, I guess, because you don't really see that when you're in prison. Like you yeah. just, you just are looking for people. Uh, yeah. But this movie's just, it's about two dudes who are just, they just want to be friends, man. And they're just, they yeah. miss each other and they, they, their lives are better because they're in each other's lives. Yeah. And when so much of prison, I'm assuming is just, well, obviously, not not just assuming, but you know, is conflict and it's it's violence. Right. Um, what you see, like with the sisters, but um, did you say sisters? But care- <laughs> I did, I did, God but not in the context you're thinking. <laughs> but it's so yeah. I mean, they care for each other in a in a probably very unconventional way inside, and then beyond just those two, it's it's all of Red's crew. You know, they're all friends. You know, they all yeah. care about each other, and so. Maybe there, there's got to be clicks like that in some prison. You can let me know when you go soon, but uh, I think it's just kind of. <laughs> I mean, come on. I will not be see. visiting prison anytime soon, good sir. <laughs> good sir, fine. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, it's a question that's it's difficult to answer. Um, whose movie is this? Who do you associate the movie with? So you have Tim Robbins. Obviously, you have Andy Dufresne. You have Red, Morgan Freeman. And then I put just Shawshank, the prison which I think mm. is a, is a, is an actual character in the movie. Um, yeah. But who do you associate this movie with Tim Robbins or Morgan Freeman? Mostly Tim Robbins. And I think part of that just could be like the movie poster stamped in my mind of, you know, Tim Robbins standing out in the rain after he's crawled through 500 yards of shit smelling foulness. Um, <laughs> I can't imagine, right. That's unimaginable. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's because it's, 
it starts and ends with him. You know, it's it's his movie, and even though Morgan Freeman is, I guess, technically the lead character and obviously does an amazing job, to me, it's Tim Robbins' movie. Yeah, I w- that poster is great too. Like he's, I used he, to have it on my wall. Yeah. Do you? I used to. Okay. My wife will allow me to have nice things. Yeah, so wife, wife's are the worst. <laughs> right. Um, maybe we should just run. What's the city in Mexico? Cihuatanejo. <laughs> Let's go. You want to go? <laughs> yeah. I'll meet you. I don't think we like each other. I'll meet you in Corpus <laughs> Corpus Christi, Texas. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. But yeah, I think that poster is, is is iconic. Him with his arms raised. I think he's kneeling in the water, and it, the shirt is yeah. falling off, and it's just raining on him, which. It's fantastic now, but I can see in 94, you see that poster and you're like, what the hell is this movie about? <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. I, I think it's Tim Robbins, even though, again, watching it today, the last 41 minutes, he's not really in the movie. <laughs> That's a good point. That's kind of crazy to think. Um, but yeah, I think it, it's hard for me to, to differentiate between the two, but I would I would mm-hmm. give the slight edge to Tim Robbins. Yeah. Um, so I have two more what I'm going to call unanswerable questions before we, we, I ask the last question. Uh, do you have anything you want to, that, that I didn't bring up that you want to talk about? Nope. Let's hear these questions. Um, Tim Robbins, Andy Dufresne, uh, is, is laundering, is laundering their crate, not for money, but actually his clothes, (laughs) the warden's actual clothes and his shoes shining them on top of that washing clothes. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Washing the clothes and laundering the money. Um, but then he steals the clothes and wears them on the outside, correct? Correct. The warden but is 6'1". <laughs> Tim Robbins is 6'5". <laughs> hey, this has always bothered me in this movie. <laughs> the chance- and the shoes. What's that? And the shoes the sh- more than anything. I was going to say the shoes are more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, not happening. <laughs> no. Nah. But, I mean... <laughs> I'm being real nitpicky. <laughs> But this is the one thing that's always really bothered me. Wouldn't it be funny to see like him actually go into that bank after he's escaped? <laughs> <laughs> like in Warden Norton's and the sleeves are like up his arm yeah. and you see his socks showing. Yeah, he looks like a big kid that like grew too much over the summer. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's that great line in Die Hard where, you know, obviously John McClane's looking for shoes and he kills the first terrorist. And he's like, I had to kill a, a, a terrorist with that wears the same shoe size as my sister. Cause he's trying to like put on his shoes. Something like that. Right. But uh, yeah, I guess it could be, I guess he could just have small feet, I guess. Maybe. Okay. And then, uh, saying the movie ended now, right. Just say it ended in, in modern time. Right. Where, mm-hmm. what, what's Andy and red doing, man? Where are they at? Shit, man. Did they get the hotel? Did they, did they create, did they, you know, he wants to buy a hotel and he wants to do boat tours, like fishing tours. Did, did that happen? Yeah, he's you know he's got the money. He's a smart businessman. He probably owns a sandals resort out in somewhere <laughs> in Mexico. You know, okay. And he invites all these wealthy older white folks to come stay at his place. Yeah, and they're on the up and up, right? They're not criminals because no, yeah. yeah, Andy was never a criminal, right? Yeah, and Red doesn't want that lifestyle anymore. You know, yeah, I mean he's murdering people, <laughs> and I'm thinking like maybe on the outside they're not the most conventional friends. <laughs> that's a good question you know what do they they find they hate each other yeah they're like wait you're an actual murderer i am not maybe we shouldn't go into business together oh uh, see we can't ask these questions that make this this is a serious movie it is serious but it's about friendship i'm asking friendship questions <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right so uh last question we end every podcast like this the Shawshank Redemption, which it is the Shawshank Redemption. People always refer to it as Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. It is the Shawshank Redemption. Okay. Um, underrated, overrated, or properly rated? 
And don't don't be like Damien and give me some I'm opposed to this question, blah 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 bullshit. <laughs> like come on, Damien. Yeah. Get your shit together. <laughs> Go ahead. I I think this is it's impossible to say and it's the wrong answer because it's voted the number one movie of all time on IMDb and so many people think it's amazing. I still think it's underrated. <laughs> I think it's it's not it's not appreciated the way it should be somehow. And I know that makes no sense given that it's very widely, uh, highly rega- regarded, but um, your wife okay. hasn't seen this movie. So that's <laughs> okay. So what let, let's just talk two things. Okay. I think it's underrated because of the movies that came out in 94. Yeah. Everybody okay. says Tom, everybody says Forrest Gump. Everybody says Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So <laughs> this morning, again, I watched this movie, um, for the sake of the podcast, I woke up at 5 a.m. Uh, and <laughs> watched it this morning, which was fine. It, it, I enjoyed it. I always enjoy it. <clears throat> Nicolette came down uh, with with that like 41 minutes left, right? Right before yeah. she came down, right when 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 he's in the uh, he's in the hole and oh, and he explains like why he's in the hole. So I'm trying to give Nicolette the backstory. And I'm like, you've never watched this movie, and she's like, I don't really remember. And I was like, well, first of all, how do you not remember? You would remember. <laughs> Um, so she catches it essentially like at the best, the best part of the movie. And she's like locked in, dude. She's literally sat there the the rest of the movie watching. I look over at her. She's like crying multiple times. (laughs) Like she's fully invested and, and didn't even see the first like two hours of the movie. What? Um, So I'm, I'm, I'm equally disappointed and jealous because she got to experience it for the first time. And, uh, but I'm like, so I was so excited that she could at least see some of it and I could explain to her because this movie makes me smile. I know that sounds ridiculous, but the, when they're talking about each other and they're, they're going through all their struggles, like I, I I smile, which is stupid. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so (laughs) I would say the fact that people still haven't seen the movie, that it's underrated. Right. And for me personally, underrated, it's, it's fantastic. And if you haven't seen it, shame on you. Yes. If you're watching shame Marvel, on you. shame on you too. Your she's <laughs> your wife is an adult American woman, pr- American person. It should not American be possible. <laughs> yes, who cannot man or woman? There's no excuse to have not seen this movie. It's on TV daily, pretty well, much. On wa- some I'm, I'm not watching. I'm not watching with commercials, bro. Come on. True, I know, but still, you have to have been exposed to this in some major way as an as an American with access to electricity <laughs> you should not have not seen this and so it's a it's shame on her it's shame on you for knowing how great this movie is and not saying not this is like the question you ask number two question when you first date somebody Look, like what's your name have you seen shawshank and then and then from there you have a happy life to be fair and, i have introduced her i have exposed her to you know star wars and potter and all these different things you know like just recently we watched big trouble in little china she had never seen uh, that we watched uh, teen wolf recently she had never seen that <clears throat> excuse me so you know we're get. I'm, I'm i'm working through it man we're working through it um you've known her for two decades accurate um <laughs> so as yeah. As we're watching this, I was like, I kept saying to her, you've really never seen this? And she's like, I think I've seen it. I just don't remember. And I'm like, no, you, you don't you not remember. It, yeah. You'd remember. So mm-hmm. I told her, I was like, we're going to sit down and we're going to watch this at some point coming up yeah. soon. Um, but yeah, man, I, I'm, dude, I can only, there's only so many hours in the day, bro. She watches, no. she watches King of the Hill like <laughs> every day still. 
<laughs> I was, I mean, having listened, especially to the Disney podcast, you know, where you're ranking your favorite Disney movies, she had the correct list. So I know she knows good movies and she, she watches good stuff. Wait, so you're saying my, just, my list was not correct. Not correct. Okay. Hers is better okay. by a mile. Well, she's, she's genuinely or generally like a better person than I am anyway. So, you know, whatever. Of course. She balances yeah. me out, bro. But whatever. I, I, yeah. It went, so with you're, you're, this movie, this movie plus your wife are the only two things keeping you out of prison. So that's good. Yeah, more so this, more so this movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Um, this I I can I can honestly say this has probably been the most fun I've had doing any of these podcasts so far. Um, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> you're the fucking worst. <laughs> trying to trying to have a nice moment, but it's fine. We're done. Uh, we're done. Uh, thanks for being on, dude. Um, I don't know what I don't know what we're gonna do next. I know we we've talked about what like Princess Bride and mm-hmm. a number of different things. So, uh, well, apparently we're gonna have to do fellowship. Yes, and I will only do fellowship if we do the four, like the the three and a half hour version. Okay, I've got it. Let's watch Done. it. <laughs> All right, buddy. I, I appreciate you joining me, man. Yeah, talk to you soon. All right. As always, I want to thank you guys for listening. If you could give us a subscribe, a like, a review, a rate. Tell a friend, tell a hundred friends. I'd appreciate it. Uh, you can give us a follow on any of the social media platforms: Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at the Morning Geekdom. Uh, can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Shout out to Gary Oldman. <laughs>